Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Mind your business with the breakfast huddle only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle. I'm Elliot Danker. Time now for Mind Your Business. And we've been talking a lot about inflation and how it's setting in across Asia Pacific and the world, really. Food and drink brands are tasked with helping consumers manage cost of living by providing grocery value. Now, according to data from Mintel, at least two-fifths of consumers in India and Singapore are seeking to save money on food and drinks. And they'll visit stores with cheaper prices, you know, 40% versus 47%, something as little as that, right? This provides both a risk to grocery retailers that consumers will switch to better value competitors, but also an opportunity, if you think about it, to appeal by promoting savings with coming into the store for. Now, transparency on any price increase is going to be key in retaining brand loyalty and, of course, evolving consumer understanding of the rising costs of food and drinks and these, you know, what these companies are facing as well. In Malaysia, it's been found that 71% of consumers agree that they would be loyal to brands that are transparent with customers. But despite transparency being important, why are FMB players still hesitant with being transparent with their customers? Let's find out more from Cormac Henry, who is Global Food and Drink Purchase Intelligence Analyst at Mintel. Good morning. Good morning, Elliot. How are you? Very good, Cormac. Thanks a lot for taking the time to help me out. I understand Mintel Group is privately owned. It's a London-based market research firm. What else can you tell us about the company? Sure. So Mintel are a market intelligence agency. We specialize in tracking consumer behavior across the globe and how FMCG innovation is responding to that. So we have a presence across the globe, including an office in Singapore. And my role there is really to analyze all of those consumer data and innovation data streams and unlock the insights to publish opportunities for food and drink category growth. Okay. Talking about your footprint around the world, what's it like here in Asia Pacific? Yeah, so a number of offices across and presence across those markets. So we're in Singapore, India, also in Malaysia, Thailand, and there's probably a few more in there too, little satellite offices here and there. <laughs> Let's talk consumer research. Tell us a little bit more about this global consumer research. What was the focus and the methodology here? Of course. So all of our consumer research, we survey consumers right across 35 different markets across the globe. So for sort of our inflationary studies, we're really looking towards how consumers' spending patterns have changed regarding food and drink. And that was obviously a little bit different, you know, coming out of COVID, we did see a lot of consumers sort of go straight towards food service. But with sort of headlines around inflation and consumer concern around that, um, we are now seeing about 41% of Singaporean consumers, for example, that are now spending less on food mm-hmm. in restaurants. Mm-hmm. And about 44% are actually saying they're spending more on food for eating at home. So there really is this emphasis on providing value for the consumer. So those choices are a little bit easier for them. It must be quite interesting as well. And I'm only bringing this up because, you know, Mintel is London-based and we see inflation hit there the same, but the reaction is so different. You know, people fighting for higher pay there. Here, it's really about your in-home consumption habits. Are we seeing food and drink customers, you know, sort of dialing back on perhaps ordering out as well, perhaps doing more grocery shopping, keeping more long-term in that sense? Yeah, I think it's a real spectrum. I think when it comes to sort of food service, 
Food service is sort of, you know, broadly sort of seen as a treat, sort of depending on your economic mobility, that treat time may be more regular. With sort of inflationary pressures, it can come down to a little bit more of sort of perhaps saving that for a special occasion or perhaps changing how you're shopping in that food service moment. So one example of a, a category that tends to be relatively resilient when there is a bit of an economic downturn is coffee. That's sort of seen as a treat which, you know, can be sort of made more affordable. So for example, consumers who may be ordering like a larger serve coffee may go in and sort of order, you know, a smaller coffee or perhaps downgrade their order to a less expensive brew they may be going for example you know for a cold brew back to sort of like a standard sort of long black or sort of americano style in terms of shopping behaviors themselves in-store shopping behaviors we recently sort of surveyed consumers on their habits around shopping and what they would actually do to save money in food and drink and there's quite a few interesting findings coming from that so we've seen a massive sort of 53 percent of singaporean consumers for example say they will take advantage of sales to stock up other behaviors there include switching to a store with like cheaper prices or even buying more sort of store brand products as well. I think the message there for food and drink brands is really that loyalty to some extent is off the table. It's really important to be communicating sort of your value proposition to consumers as they are willing to shop around and almost become destination shoppers to an extent. They'll go to different stores um, based on what they may sort of have on offer that week. So the marketing becomes really, really important and communicating what you are doing to consumers it's um, perhaps not a great time to sort of be going totally quiet on your media spend or your innovation. That may not serve you very well in the longer term. I got to admit, Cormac, when you talked about coffee, I'm the opposite. Seeing these inflation numbers every morning, I'm ordering an extra large cup of coffee. <laughs> but it's great that you talk about, you know, don't hold back on your media spend. Sort of educate and advertise. I mean, house brands, are they doing enough? Because at the end of the day, sometimes these house brands are using the same factory as premium brands and as a consumer if I knew about it I wouldn't mind yeah I think for private label it's a really interesting opportunity at the moment because you know take this back sort of to the base of shopping for food and drink two factors which remain really constant despite an economic downturn are that consumers will shop food and drink for nutrition they will also shop food and drink for sort of enjoyment and indulgence and these are two pillars that private label brands are really well placed to innovate on because they can hold that space that it's you know slightly more special than perhaps sort of you know a basic private label option but still offering sort of you know quality and taste and even sort of indulgence and enjoyment cues at a lower price than you know a big brand competitor so there is a lot of opportunity out there for private label brands in this particular instance and you know i think looking back to the previous economic downturn and sort of the recession we did see a lot of private label brands particularly across europe really up their market share during that period of economic uncertainty actually and this is purely out of curiosity how much of these purchasing habits have changed really because of inflation? Are enough people aware of it or is it just simply a case of I'm reading in the news of maybe there'll be another COVID surge or there's a war in the Ukraine so I better stock up out of fear? Yes, there's an element of insurity driving some of this as opposed to sort of it been actually realized. And I do think, you know, we're very fresh off the back of those scenes in supermarkets, you know, where people are stockpiling various food items. And, you know, when we are seeing headlines on the news of sort of, you know, shortages due to, you know, containers not being able to get shipped in or, you know, staff shortages in the supply chain, you know, it's pretty natural that consumers would have that type of reaction. So there's definitely perhaps just an element of insurity or sort of preparing, you know, for that reinforcement 
rainy day or that shortage when it comes, as opposed to, you know, there actually being a very real risk of that. And I think that's just because it's quite fresh in consumers' mind. And that's why it's important, I think, for, you know, brands and, you know, particularly retailers to be assuring consumers and that there is sort of, you know, surety in their supply chains that, you know, stock is coming. We've seen quite a lot of supermarkets do that in recent times just to sort of stop that, you know, surge panic buying, which is not something we want to return to, I don't think. Yeah. The fact that Mm. we're going to hit Christmas sooner than you think, the importance of building up that trust, building up that assurance as we head there, because I know we're only talking about food and drink, but how badly do you see that festive season being affected? Are companies worried about it? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of unsurety out there sort of amongst the, you know, the food and drink brands we would speak to. But I think what I would say on that is, you know, consumers have always sort of looked towards, you know, the festive season, lights, you know, like Christmas, other events throughout the globe. I guess a source of a bit of emotional respite for them, you know, okay. times are stressful. And there's a lot of power in, I think, those festive occasions and bringing people together. What I would say is, you know, we're not necessarily going to see consumers this year going out their big Christmas shop, for example. It is more likely that those stocks for celebrations are going to be built up over time. So as and when consumers can afford them, they will purchase those more, you know, special food and drink items. So it is important to sort of be activating quite early on those seasonal innovation lines. So they are there for consumers who may be in the position to purchase them slightly earlier. So I think activating early is definitely a key strategy that will help brands this year. As we begin to wrap things up, let's talk about what FMB players can do. I know we've discussed a lot about building trust and assurances. Uh, what else you think they can do as they try to tell customers, hey, we've got good value here? Yeah, it's it's really taking it back to those sort of, I think, two pillars on food and drink that we know consumers are shopping the category for, which are resilient to sort of economic downturns. And those two pillars are buying food and drink for nutritional purposes and buying food and drink for sort of sheer indulgence and, you know, enjoyment. So around the nutrition element, it's really sort of, you know, talking up your nutritional content, you know, like high fiber, high protein, and also sort of the versatility of certain items, you know, so that consumers are aware that they provide good value they can provide nutrition across a number of dishes. So that's sort of, you know, basic country items, you know, things like rice and pulses play really well into that space. On the indulgence side of things, you know, consumers, we know they do comfort eat. This is a time when consumers will be comfort eating. You can really link your offering to that indulgence, you know, and that may be sort of through things, do you more of a value offering? So we have seen a number of brands actually launch miniature versions of their indulgent products. So... What that does is they can obviously, it retails at a lower price, but they still offer sort of all those great taste and quality cues that consumers expect from their brand. Um, and linking to home entertainment is really important too. Like I'm sure, like yourself, Elliot, and myself definitely over the course of, you know, our lockdowns, we've all sort of had binge chocolate sessions in front of, you know, popular streaming services. Those sort of brand tie-ins with sort of home entertainment occasions in the indulgence space are also really important and offer a lot of opportunity to really develop a stronger sort of emotional connection with your food and drink consumer. Uh, I get what you mean. So you build up this mindset that you don't have to miss out just because it's inflation. On the topic of transparency, though, is there a secret formula to building customer trust? 
I don't know about a secret formula. It's quite interesting. I think that the element of transparency that's really in everyone's lips at the minute is we know sort of food and drink brands, their costs are going up across sort of the supply chain. And it is coming to a point for many brands where they are sort of passing that on to consumers. And it's quite interesting. When we surveyed consumers in Singapore about this, 70% say they would stay loyal to brands that are transparent with their price increases. Now, I would take that stat with a pinch of salt. I think, you know, when budgets are squeezed, Consumers may have to, you know, switch whether they would like it or not. But on the transparency, it's very helpful to sort of retain your brand loyalty. Consumers don't want to be going into a store when they're, you know, already worried about sort of how much that shop is going to cost them. They're presented with a big price increase on a product they weren't expecting. So it's really important to communicate why that price has went up. You know, be talking sort of about, you know, like the cost of wages, you know, the cost of fuel and getting sort of your ingredients from A to B. I think what is great where we're at now is we're at the stage of transparency where consumers are already more interested in what sort of ingredients are in their food. They're really interested in the sustainability around their products. Like they want to know where it's coming from. And that trend's been really building over the last 10 years. So I don't think this is something to be looked at that's, you know, perhaps a source of concern for food and drink brands. It's actually an opportunity to really sort of give consumers a better view of where their food's coming from and be transparent with all those sort of rising costs across your supply chain. Really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Been speaking with Cormac Henry, who is Global Food and Drink Purchase Intelligence Analyst at Mintel. Uh, thanks again for your time this morning. Take care and have a great day ahead. Yeah. Thanks so much, Elliot. You too. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.